Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Point family, I need to give you guys a heads up right now. I am extremely excited about this specific message. So you just need to know that we're going to get rowdy today. It's going to be fun. Um, and, and I want to start here as when I, when I allude to getting rowdy. I'm seeing a lot of blue stars in the room today. And so let me just know right now how we feel about our Cowboys at 3 p.m. That's right, man. It's going to be fun. That's it. That's it. That's it. Now, um, I'm excited about that game, but I actually did that because I want to make a point. Okay, it's going to lead right into my message. What I'm talking about today is praise and worship. Praise and worship. And I, I want to point out two things just from the moment we just had. We've got some former and current cowboys that we know every now and then hop into Lake Point Church online and we love you. And why wouldn't you? We're an awesome church. Of course you would, and, you know. And uh, I want to point this out from this moment. One, I just want you to notice that there is a connection between worship and joy. There is a connection between worship and joy. Like even in that moment, as all of us just like began cheering for our cowboys, in a moment of praise, that's what that was, it was praise, there was a lift in the spirits of the room when it comes to joy. Now I want to show you kind of like some, the spiritual dynamics of this. You know, it's really interesting. What the Bible says, it says in Psalm 34, that when we worship, it says that we quote, magnify the Lord. We magnify the Lord. And so whenever we worship, what happens is God begins to feel really, really big. And here's why this matters. Because a lot of times what happens to me is I'll walk into worship. When I walk into worship, my problems feel really big and my God feels really small. And then worship, 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 worship. And by the time I'm finished worshiping, my God feels really big and my problems feel really small. And so, you know, for a lot of you, what you need in order to experience joy in your life is, listen, the primary thing you need is not necessarily smaller problems. You need a bigger God. And what worship does is it magnifies Him. So let me land up, like anchor this down. Guys, a worshiping people are a joyful people. Okay, hang on. This, uh, there was one person I liked over here. So let me do this. Y'all are not going to stare at me like you just woke up mad. You're not going to do it today. Well, so let me, let me give you another chance, okay? A worshiping people are a joyful people. That's good, Pastor. That's good, Pastor. That's it, okay. Now, yeah, listen, we're going to do that today. So here we go. Y'all get ready. Now, now listen, number two, I want to point this out, is whenever we talk about, I just even mentioned the Cowboys, there's a shout of praise. And can I point this out? Guys, everybody worships. Everybody everywhere does worship. We cannot help expressing felt adoration. Everywhere you go, when somebody experiences something awesome, 
They talk about it. They pour out praise. How often are our conversations like this? Bro, did you see the game? Did you see the shot? Season three drops on Wednesday. Did you see season two? It was awesome. Uh, do you guys know how to tell if somebody drives a Tesla? Don't worry, they'll tell you. See, that's funny. I don't care who you are, that right there is funny. Now, now listen, all these things, we can't help expressing adoration. And what God says in the Bible is he goes, hey, that thing you do for everything else, I want you to do that for me. That, that's what I want. In fact, let me show you this verse um, from Hebrews chapter 13. It says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer, watch this, this language, a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Now, why does it say sacrifice of praise? Let's do a little theology real quick, okay? A few Bible scholars. In the Old Testament, people brought sacrifices of animals or produce to God. But then Jesus came, and when the Lamb of God, who was chosen from the foundation there, who was slain, the Lamb of God, whenever the Lamb of God died on the cross, Jesus said, I'm the sacrifice to end all the sacrifices. So now, God doesn't want us bringing sacrifices of animals or produce what God wants is now our bodies, our living sacrifices in response to him giving his body as a sacrifice to save us from our sins. So what the Bible's saying is it's going, when it says offer a sacrifice of praise, what it's saying is there are different ways we can express our adoration and worship to God. So we express that by giving, by sacrifices of like, for instance, we express it by loving other people. Um, we express our worship by serving. Um, when we give, when we give to God, we are expressing worship. And when God says in Hebrews 13, I want you to offer a sacrifice of praise to me, he's saying, here's the other way. I want you to bring a sacrifice of, I want you to worship me. I want you to express your love for me in worship by openly professing my name, by singing about my greatness, okay? Now, what I'm going to do today is uh, a lot of you guys, you come from backgrounds like mine. I am a third-generation Baptist minister, okay? Uh, third-generation Baptist pastor. And so, like, this concept of worshiping expressively like the Bible commands us to do, it's really, really foreign to me. And honestly, you know, it, when I first started, it felt really, really weird. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about like the basics of what the Bible says about worship. We're, we're going to do the fun, the fun stuff here, okay? And I need a disclaimer at the front of this message, and you're going to see why here in a second. Nothing I'm saying today, it comes from a place of judgment. Um, some of you might feel weird during parts of this sermon because you'll start thinking like, ah, man, I, I feel bad because like I've never worshiped like that, and I'm seeing that's what God commands. I feel bad. There is zero judgment in, in, in this message at all. It's all encouragement, and here's why. So leading up to this sermon, I tossed out on Instagram. And by the way, you should totally follow your pastor on Instagram and Facebook so we can, we can hang out and talk. Okay? I tossed out a, 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 a question on Instagram, on my IG story, and I was like, here's my question. Why don't more people worship expressively like the Bible commands at church? And uh, actually, it was really interesting. I got between two and three hundred different responses. Here were two of the top ones. Okay, one, a lot of people were like, nobody's ever taught me about it before. Like, I just never understood. Like, it, I see people raise their hands or clap or whatever, and it just seems really, really weird to me. Okay, so one, it's like nobody's ever taught me before. Here was the second, like, really, really common response. It was this. 
I came, like, like me, and I'm going to talk about this more later in the sermon. Yeah, people just said, man, honestly, I came from a church background or a denomination. We're like, we didn't do that. And if you did do that, you were weird. Okay? So the reason most people don't worship expressly like the Bible commands, it has nothing to do. They don't have a rebellious heart. Here are the two primary reasons. One, they just have never been given permission before. And two, I'm going to say something with a bit of an edge, kind of straightforward. Number two, here's the other reason, is many people have been more discipled by a denomination than my Bible doctrine. And so what we're going to do today is we're just going to go in and go, man, what does the Bible say about how God wants us to worship? So let's get right in. This is going to be fun, okay? Now, I got a lot I could say. We're going to do a lot of Bible. Um, so let me start right here. In the Bible, there are seven different Hebrew words. That's the language of the Old Testament. Seven different Hebrew words for praise, okay? Now, I want, I'm going to show you two of them. My favorite one is the Hebrew word tehillah, Okay. And here's, a, here's an example. This is literally how the verse reads. I will extol the Lord at all times. His tequila will always be on my lips. Now, some of you are like, bro, what'd you say? I love to worship. <laughs> what was that? Okay. I said tequila. Tequila. Okay. Now, here, here's the other one. The most common one. <laughs> I see some of this. Some of y'all are like, oh, pastor's getting you today. All right. Here, here's the other one. Okay. Uh, the other one, the most common one is the Hebrew word halal. And listen to this a definition from a Bible dictionary. Um, it, it, it says this. It says, it says, what it says, let me read up here. It says, to shine, hence to make a show, to boast, and thus to be clamorously foolish. Listen to this language. To rave, to celebrate. Now, can we be real honest? So the Bible's description of worship, it sounds a lot more like the Cowboys game will look today than most churches. So let's I like you. Whoever does that, I like you. You're my favorite. We're going to, listen, we're going today. We're going today. Y'all hop on a train because all the quiet ones are going to be the weird ones by the end of the sermon. Okay, here we go. Okay. So here's what we do. Here's what we do. So let me just explain this because like I said, a lot of people, you just come from a background like me where it's just like never been taught and so it feels weird. So let me just go right at it. Okay, number one, worship is expressing love to God. That's all worship is, expressing love to God. You know, some of you guys, um, like I mentioned, you come from either a church background like me or, and every time I say this, nobody believes me, but my wife can attest to this. Um, I, my personality, I am actually like an extremely introverted person. Like, uh, no, it's for real. It's for real. I'm like, uh, for real, an extremely introverted person. And so you may have a background or a personality like mine. And so when you hear that, here's what you're thinking. Um, you're thinking something like, man, Pastor Josh, um, I'm a more reserved person. And I prefer to worship God in my heart. And first of all, I just want to honor that. Guys, there are times for reverence. There, there are some times where we should, like the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. There are times for that. But there should also be moments where we express with our bodies what we feel in our hearts. There should be that too. Um, have you ever noticed this? This is really interesting. For some reason, your relationship with God is the only relationship in your whole life where you want to separate affection and expression. 
There's no other relationship you have where you want to do it. Uh, let me give you an example. So this morning, um, my, church, my family goes to church on Saturday night. And so I wake up on Sunday, I drink two cups of coffee, eat a quick breakfast. I'm walking out of the house when Jana gets Hudson, my little uh, two-year-old up. This morning, Hudson came running out of his room in a full head-to-toe cat boy costume. Okay. So he comes running out, and when I see Hudson, you know, he's two, I got down on the floor, I grabbed him, get him arm, I gave him a big old kiss on the forehead. By the way, man, Christian dads, kiss your boys when they're little. Man, man, we, we need godly, that's right, man, we need godly men, godly men that show their sons affection, okay? And so, so man, I'm doing that, I, I gave him a big old kiss. Um, if I'm out uh, in town and I see, like, somebody that I'm good friends with, when I was in middle school, if I saw that person, I would go, what's up? <laughs> okay. But I've matured past that. So now, like, if I see somebody I'm good friends with, I'm going to go in for the bro hug. I'm going to do the hand clasp here, pull you in, pat, 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 we're done. That's it. But I'm going to show, I'm going sh- to express the affection. Um, listen, let me specifically speak to the dudes for a second. Because when it comes to, when it comes, you got to know where I'm going with it. Uh, when, when it comes to worship, a lot of times women are a lot more quick to obey God in how he wants worship to happen. And dudes are like, I don't know, man, I don't know about all that. You know, expression and affection, I don't know about all that. Okay, listen, dudes, you do this all the time. Here's my example. Uh, husbands, what if your wife today after the service was like, babe, listen, I'm real sorry, but like we're, we're never going to be physical. I'm going to use my words carefully again. Okay, uh, Hey, babe, I'm so sorry. We're never going to be physical. I'm not going to be physical with you anymore, but it's okay because I'm attracted to you in my heart. Okay. What would you do? Yeah, there's a lot of feminine laughter in the room. Do you hear that? What would you do? Do you know what you would do? Listen, if, if the women of Lake Point did that, the wives of Lake Point did that, there would be a line from where I'm standing in the lobby to the Mexico border of husbands dragging their wives to talk to pastor about what they should be doing in marriage. See, no, no, no. What you would say, if your wife said that, what you'd say is, babe, that's awesome, but I'm going to need you to express with your body what you feel in your heart sometimes. Okay? Now, let me be real honest. What God is saying here is he's saying the exact same thing. That's all he's saying. In fact, look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 10. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. So that's the emotional part of you. All of your soul, that's a spiritual part of you. But then he says, and with all your strength, like with, with the physical part of you, show me how much you love me. And can we, listen, we need to get this like, like theologically here. You understand, this is fitting. It's fitting to this. In fact, one of the Psalms says this, it is, a song of praise is fitting. It's appropriate based on what God has done. Guys, can I be honest? If Jesus had just done a small favor for you, it might be appropriate for you to just stand there with crossed arms and then golf clap him at the end of like a song. That might be appropriate. But, but, but listen to me. Jesus did not do you a small favor. He died on the cross for your sins, and then he rose from the grave, and now your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and we're going to heaven. So like a song of praise is what's fitting based on what he's done for us, okay? So here's the question. You may be going, okay, Josh, but, but how do I do that? So how do we express our love to God? Again, let me just be really straightforward. Number one, the Bible commands us to sing. 
Psalm 95, 1 and 2 says this. It says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a, this word is really important, a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a, there's that word again, a joyful noise with a light, man, come on, let's go, with songs of praise, all right? Now, so, so watch this. Did you guys know this? Do you know what every other world religion calls Christianity? Do you know this? Christianity is known historically as the singing faith. We are the one religion, the one, uh, you know, yeah, we're the one faith that has for thousands of years been full of song. Do you know why? Because God commands us to sing. Now, some of you hear that and you're like, oh, man, pastor, I ain't much for singing. Okay. All right. Well, check it out. You're like, man, I can't sing. Okay. That's okay. Because it said he wants you to make a joyful noise, not a beautiful one. You're right. So you may be like, man, I'm a terrible singer. That's why we keep the sound system up to cover you. Like you're good, man. Like we got you in mind. Okay. Can I be real honest? The way it says, make a joyful noise, make a joyful noise. Can I be really honest? The way some people worship it's just weird to me. Okay, let me, yeah, let me get this camera. It's just weird, okay? This is weird. You turn graves into gardens. <laughs> you turn mourn into dancing. <laughs> That's weird. So when God throughout the Bible says, make a joyful noise, here's what he's saying. God is saying, if you're happy and you know it, tell your face. (laughs) Tell your face. He's saying, man, worship me with joy. Like sing, sing with a smile on your face. Express the joy that I've put into your heart. In fact, Lake Point Church, let me say something with a bit of an edge to it. Lake Point Church, let's be the church that rebrands RBF into resting blessed face. Okay, let's be that. By the way, everybody got that joke at Town East. I know everybody got that joke at Town East. Here at Rockwall, if you didn't get that, ask your grandkids. You'll get it later, okay? All right, here we go. So number one, the Bible commands us to sing. Number two, the Bible commands us to cheer, all right? To cheer. Look at Psalm 47. It says this, clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with, I love this word. Oh, come on, man. That's it. We had coffee this morning. Shout to God with, watch this word, loud songs. Okay? Some of you uh, here, listen, if you've ever asked this question, man, Pastor Josh, why does the music have to be so loud? The Bible says so. The Bible says so. So, so listen, you can stop sending me the emails. The Bible says so right there with loud songs of joy. With loud songs of joy. Um, so the Bible commands us to cheer. Um, have you ever noticed, like I love when this happens, there's a song we sing, it's by Phil Wickham, it's called Living Hope. And there's a, there's a moment in the song where we sing verse 1 and we sing verse 2 and we're all worshiping. But then it gets to the verse about the resurrection and we sing, Then came the morning. By the way, I'm not going to sing for you very often, so soak this up, okay? Then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried, that's why I don't sing, your buried body began to breathe. The roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. And then, that's right, man. And then we get to the, that's it. 
We'll get to that like resurrection moment in the song and the place will just erupt in natural cheering. Okay, the Bible commands this. Now, do you know why you may hear that? You're like, oh, Josh, I don't understand why. Here's why. This is actually really obvious. Guys, cheering is the natural response to victory. Cheering is the natural response uh, uh, to victory. Okay, I'll I'll give an example of this. So um, I'm going to show you an eight-second video here in a second. Eight-second video. Um, Two years ago, the beloved, wonderful Dallas Mavericks were playing the evil California Clippers in, uh, in the playoffs, and we were in game three. I watched this right after Saturday night service. I came home, watched the last part of the service with my oldest daughter, Eliana. In overtime, Luka Doncic hit a game winner over Patrick Beverly, which was awesome because one, Luka hit a game winner, and two, I cannot do Patrick Beverly. I just, for you NBA heads, you get, I just can't do him. I just can't do the guy. So he hits his game winner. When he hits the game winner in overtime, this was our response. That's it. Wasn't that awesome? That's awesome. Okay. Now, can I, let, me, let me point this out. Do you know what I didn't do when Luca hit the game winner? Here's what I didn't do. I'm celebrating in my heart. <laughs> I didn't do that, man. No, cheering is a natural response to victory. Some of you hear that and, uh, and you're like, oh man, the whole concept of like cheering, clapping in a church service. Right now you're going, pastor, that is just not my personality. Okay. Okay. Listen, here's that same guy at 4 p.m. today. That exact same guy is going to tell me, Pastor, that is just not my personality. And that's him in about three hours. So I don't want to hear it, okay? Guys, listen, if we can clap and shout because the Cowboys beat the Niners, can't we clap and shout because Jesus defeated sin, death, and the devil? Now, we can do that, okay? So that's it. The Bible commands us to cheer. Now, some of you hear that, and let me just address something a lot of you might be feeling right now. You may hear that, and you may go, yeah, Josh, but like, of course you feel that way. Like, you're the pastor, and you have to feel that way. You know, you're like passionate about God and stuff, and you know, you have, but but you may be going, but that's not me. Like, I don't always feel that way when I come into the service. Can I like pastor you for a second? Let me pastor you for a second. You won't feel that way until you worship this way. That's just how it works, okay? What you're going to notice in the Bible is that the blessings of God, they often, they follow obedience. Like, you won't feel like serving someone until you serve someone and you see the difference it makes in their life. And then you start feeling like serving somebody. You won't feel like giving to God until you give to God, and then you see the blessing and provision that he takes care of you with in response to your giving. You won't feel like worshiping God until you worship him, and then God begins to pour out his presence in your life in response to your worship. Very often in the Bible, God doesn't move until we move. Like That's the pattern. So for instance, have you ever noticed this? In the Old Testament, it wasn't until Moses stretched out his hand and then God parted the Red Sea. Um, when Israel went into the promised land, they were supposed to cross the Jordan River at flood stage. The Bible says it was the moment that the leader's feet touched the water, then God did the miracle and, and, and parted the Jordan. Um, in the New Testament, have you ever noticed this? Jesus tells some lepers he's going to heal them. And he says, hey, go show yourselves to the priests. 
and like you'll be healed. The Bible says they were healed, quote, as they were going. You see, God respond, faith activates the power of God. And very often, God responds to our steps of faith, and then he moves. So you won't, wor- you won't feel like that until you worship like this. Okay, let me do the third one. And this is the one that really trips a lot of people up. And they're like, ah, that just feels really weird. So, so let me help you out really quick. This is from Baptist background. This was the one that was weird for me. The Bible commands us to lift our hands. Psalm 63, it says this. It says, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Now, if that doesn't make any sense, and you're like, I just don't get it. It feels weird. Um, It's not weird. Like, just think about this, okay? Number one, we lift our hands to celebrate, okay? We lift our hands to celebrate. Can I say something really straightforward? Listen to me. If you are a Christian, you're a winner. You are on the winning team, okay? That's you, okay? That's you. So why is church the only place in the whole world where victorious people act defeated? Why is that the only place? Okay, we do this all the time. We lift our hands to celebrate. A couple years ago, I was watching, it was like the greatest sporting moment of like the last decade for me. A couple years ago, I was watching the Masters when Tiger hit his game-winning putt, there is his match-winning putt, Masters winning putt. There, I got it right there on the third try. Third try is strong. Look at what everybody instinctively did. As soon as the putt goes in, hands are straight up. Every dude in the gallery, every single one, hands straight into the air. So watch this. We do this all the time. Tiger hits a game-winning putt, hands in the air. Luca hits a game-winning shot, hands in the air. Dak passes the game-winning touchdown today. Hands are going in the air, okay? So so listen, now here's what's so funny, okay? For real. What probably happened is all these guys in the background of this picture, they went to church literally the next day, and they were like, oh, it's weird to raise your hands. Okay, those same guys, okay? So we lift our hands to celebrate. Okay, let me give you another one. Another reason, we lift our hands to testify, Lift our hands to testify. Um, when, when somebody's in a courtroom and a witness is about to give testimony, the judge will ask that person, like, hey, raise your right hand. And they'll do that. And that's a physical response that's indicating what it's saying is everything that's being said and that I'm about to say is true. That's what that means. Now, some of you guys, let me, let me talk to the people that might feel like this is weird. Um, you might be in our services sometimes, and we'll sing some lyrics, and you'll see people like raise their hands, and what they're doing is testifying. You think it's weird. Let me explain to you what's going on. Um, when we sing things like, there's nothing better than you, and you'll see people raise their hands like that, the reason they're doing that is those people are going, that's true. I tried a lot of different things in my life. I tried drugs. I tried money. I tried sex. I tried all different types of idols. I tried living my own way. And what I found out is that there is nothing better than you. They're going, that's true. They're testifying. They're they're testifying. They're saying, that's true. When we sing things like way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who. And you see people and they're raising their hands, they're raising their hands because they're going, that's true. I have seen God in my life be a way maker. That's true. 
I've seen him be a miracle worker. I've seen him be a promise keeper. He's been a light in my darkness. That's true. And they're testifying to the truth of that reality. And so they raise their hands. Now, let me just say something. It's good to do this during worship, but you can also do this during the preaching. I know this sounds really, really weird. I didn't have time to get to this end of the sermon, okay? Did you know that most of the times in the Bible when the people of God lift their hands, they they do it for both worship and uh, preaching and teaching, but most of the time you see that in the Bible, it's in response to the Bible being read or preached. And they lift their hands to testify to the truth of, of what's being read and preached. So you just need to know this. Like, you, you just need to know this. Um, this also, it testifies the truth of God's word. It also, it helps the person that's preaching. When I, let me, I'm going to be real, real, like for real, for real with you for a second. Okay? When I'm preaching and I look out of the room and I'm seeing people that are like half asleep. Or they just look really angry. Like, I, you know. I may outwardly have a joyful expression, but inwardly, I'm like, I work 25 hours on this thing that I'm doing right now. Like, listen, I'm like, I have the same energy as God. I'm like, if you're happy and you know it, tell your face. Come on, like, so, so listen, did you know this? Did you know you can respond me into preaching a good sermon? Did you know that? And then when I am, that's it. Whoever did that, I like you. That's it. You can res- and so here's my, here's my mentality. When I preach a bad sermon, it's at least 50% your fault. That's it. That's all I'm saying. Like, because you, you could have responded. You just testify. Amen. Man, yes. That lifted. There are people in our church, and I, I know where they sit. I literally know where these people sit. I might not know all their names, but I know where they sit. Where there are people in our church that when I get to the Jesus moment in the sermon, and I make sure there's one of those in at least one of those in every sermon, we preach Christ and Him crucified. And when we get to that spot in the message, there are people that sit. There's one that sits over there. There's one guy that sits right here. And it's a Saturday night service is back here. I, they will spontaneously, some of those people, they'll begin to lift their hands and worship as the word of God is declared over them. And I'll just lock my eyes on them to encourage me while I'm preaching. So we raise our hands to testify to testify. Now, last one is we raise our hands to signify that we surrender and are ready to receive. Okay? Um, we, we actually all instinctively know this. All right, man. Come on, man. There we go. There we go. Come on. We're baby steps. Baby steps. Okay? We, we all instinctively know this. It doesn't matter what country you're in, what language you speak. If somebody points a gun at you and you do this, that is the international sign of surrender. You are saying to that person, I'm putting up no resistance and I'm completely submissive to your will. When we lift our hands in worship, what we're saying to God is, I am putting up no resistance to you, God. I, I I am completely submissive to your will. Man, speak to me. What do you have for me, God? And you need to know, like, theologically, this communicates something. Because before Jesus saved you, the Bible says you were an enemy of God. You may not believe this. You might think, oh, no, no, actually, like, I'm a pretty good person and I'm seeking him. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that you are an enemy of God. 
You're in active rebellion against him until you give your life to Jesus. And Jesus loved you so much that while you were his enemy, while you were rebelling against him, he died to save you so he could put his spirit inside of you to make you surrender to his will and go, man, I I want to live a victorious life. I want to live in freedom, God. I want all those things. So we, so this is why I'll be honest for me, a lot of times at the beginning of a service, I'll begin the service to go, okay, God, I'm surrendering, no resistance. And I'll go, man, I'm here to receive. Okay. And, and this is what we do now. Let me get real practical. Um, just because the Bible commands this doesn't mean you have to do it like the entire service. Okay? You would get tired. So what you can do is you can in service, you can go like, okay, man, celebrate and put them down, testify and put them down, surrender put him down. I'm ready to receive God and put him down. And what's awesome about that is if you do that, you get to worship and get a really good workout at the same time. You, you, you get them both. So here's what's going to start happening. Like from this day forward, you'll be walking around town. Somebody's going to see you and they'll be like, amazing shoulder definition. You go to Lake Point, bro? That, that, are you a worshiper? I see what you got. Are you a worshiper, bro? That's, that's what's going on. And so we, we can do, <laughs> we can, you got to have fun with this. So we can do this. Now, some of you hear that and you're going, yeah, Josh, but it's like all this stuff, it's just not my thing. It's not my thing. It doesn't help me. And I, I don't know if it's like my thing, that kind of thing. Can I just speak really straightforward with you for a second? It's not all about you. Everything is not all about you. Like, so, so there are, uh, let me say some things you may never have thought of before in your entire life, okay? When we worship biblically like the Bible commands, it helps people besides you, okay? It's Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. I didn't plan this, but it's actually really perfect. Let me speak right now. This may feel a little awkward. Let me step into the awkward. Let me speak to like the majority of our church, the people who are, you, you, got, you are similarly uh, melanin deprived like me. Let me speak to our white people for a second. Okay, let me speak to our white people. Did you know when you worship biblically, it helps people from other ethnicities and cultures feel like they can belong here? Now, you may hear that and you're like, that didn't make any sense at all. <laughs> okay, here's why that doesn't make sense to you. Because did you guys know, like people that travel the world, spend time with other, other people, you guys know white people are literally the only people in the world that like silently, passively just stare and worship. Like for real, this, this person knows. Somebody over here knows. They're literally the only ones. This is a true story, okay? About five years ago when I was pastor of my church in Nashville, we were about 70% white as a church. Um, there was this one service, I don't know why it happened, but everybody started in black churches, they call it talking back. And, like, and that's a good thing in a black church. You know, white people are like, talk back, isn't that bad? No, no, in church is really good. Okay? And what that meant was, uh, it means like you're responding to the pastor when he's preaching. So there was this one service where like, people really started talking back. It was a lot like, amen, like yes, like go, say that, you know, just clapping, you know, lift hands, that kind of thing. And uh, after the service, an African-American mom with three kids grabbed me in the lobby and she was like, man, she had uh, tears on her face. And she said, Pastor Josh, I have always loved this church, but today was the first day I felt like I could belong here. And I was like, oh, man, like, I didn't understand. I was like, oh, that's awful, actually. Like, why do you say that? And she said, well, man, growing up in the black church, in the black church, like, if we're with pastor, we let him know. Like, we, we let him know that we're with him. And then, and then she said, And until today, I've always felt like I had to turn off that part of my personality to fit in here. 
Now, Lake Point Church, there are people all over our church that feel that exact same thing. If you come from like a predominantly white church background like me, you have been culturally conditioned to worship in an unbiblical way that's like passive, passionless, silent, non-expressive worship. And you have been conditioned to think that that's the right way to worship. It's not. That's the white way to worship. That, 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 that's what it is, okay? That's the what. And listen, let me just say this. That's not being woke. That's being a biblical worshiper. That's what this is, okay? So that's number one. When we do that, it helps people from other uh, ethnicities feel like they're comfortable here, okay? Number two. Now, I'm going to walk down here to, to illustrate this. When you worship biblically, it actually helps other Christians. Look at this verse on the screen. This is Ephesians 5. So Ephesians 5, watch what it says real close. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing... Everybody say it out loud. Who? Addressing... One another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Okay? Now, um, you guys might not know this. So, like, this is my seat where I sit right before I'm getting ready to preach. And uh, a lot of times, like, what I'll do is sometimes I'll be in this seat. I got my sermon notes right in front of me. And what I'm thinking is I have no faith. Like, none. Um, I'm just thinking, like, this is going to be the worst sermon I've ever preached. This is absolutely terrible. This is totally going to bomb. Like, they're going to want to fire me after this week just because this one sermon was that bad. Like, it, so I'm, I'm sitting here, and I'm like, oh, what can I add? What can I change? What should I shift? I have no faith in my heart. Um, but then what will happen is, let me get this right. Yeah, what will happen is there'll be this point in the worship where I'm sitting in the front, and we'll get to, like, a song like that's got a lyric like this. Like, there's this one song we sing that goes, um, Then the church of Christ was born, and the Spirit lit the flame. And this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not fade. That's it, man. And I'm like, I'm sitting in the front up here, and I'm hearing thousands of people sing about how this gospel truth will never kneel, and it'll never fade. And all of a sudden, I'm like, ah, let's do this. You know, it's like, and what happened is you, I'm going to stand up. You deposited faith into my heart. Did you know this? Did you know that you can borrow faith? You can borrow faith. Like there are people every week who are in our services, they walked in, their marriage is getting ready to fall apart. There's an addiction they don't feel like they can get freedom from. They're in depression. They think that, you know, everything's going to come to an end. But the worship of the people can deposit faith in their heart, and you can encourage people around you, that's right, by showing them, man, we believe God is here. He is with you. He is mighty to save. He's got an outstretched arm. So you can do that, okay? Now, so you can, I'm in the front. You hear it, it washes over me, so it helps other Christians. Here's the other group. I'm going to walk back here. These people did not know they were going to be in the sermon today. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, okay? So what you can do is, let me go back here. It also, Hello. I, <laughs> I like you. I don't know who you are, but I like you. Okay. So uh, what, you, what it also does is it helps non-believers and outsiders in our services. L look at this on the screen. Check this verse out. Okay, this is uh, 1 Corinthians 14. But if all prophesy, prophesy means to proclaim. That's what we do in worship. And an unbeliever or outsider enters. He is convicted by all. He's called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. So did you see that? Your worship can testify, the passion that you worship with 
can testify to lost people, God is real, God is here, he does have the power to do a work in your life. It, 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 it can do that. So, so listen, um, I want to show you an example of this. So this is, a, this is a great, okay, let's go full screen, show that, show that email. This is an email that a good pastor friend of mine, Ryan Visconti, he's got a worshiping church, he's one of my best friends. Um, he got this a few weeks ago. So this is what somebody in this church said. Great sermon yesterday. Always a great thing to tell your pastor, by the way. Praise and worship can change lives. About four years ago, my wife asked me if I would go to church with her, and much to her surprise, I said yes. When we arrived, I wanted to sit in the back. I didn't want to be approached by any church people. They're weird. And I wanted to have a close exit. Like, if anything shady starts happening, I'm out. That's what he was saying. But when praise and worship started, and I saw all the hands in the air, this overwhelming feeling came over me, and tears started rolling down my face. It wasn't the sermon that affected me. It was the faith I was witnessing in front of me, and it changed my life forever. Not long after that, my wife and I were saved and accepted Jesus as our Savior. We didn't realize until much later, but sitting in the back of the church was all part of God's plan. He wanted me to see everyone's hands lifted high, and it still deeply impacts me to this day. That is amazing. So listen, that's exactly, that's exactly what 1 Corinthians 14 said. We can worship in a way that testifies to people God is real. And God inhabits the praises of his people and impresses on lost people, I am here and I can save you. So like, let me just let me stand up and ask this. Let me just ask you a question. Does your worship testify that you are victorious or that you're defeated? Does yours Okay, like, 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 listen, there is nothing sadder to me than a room with a stage full of passionate worship leaders and a room full of passionless worshipers. That's so sad. Our worship is testifying something to people. And here's what can happen is up there at the front, it can be like, man, those people are really engaged. But at the back, like, ah, we're kind of like spectating that kind of thing. No, 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 that's not what I need. What I need is a room of thousands of people worshiping in a way that testifies God is really among us. That's what we need so that we see people and God move in their heart. Listen, when that happens, it, God says, he says, man, people become aware of my reality. Can I be honest? I don't want people leaving Lake Point and going, oh, man, uh, wasn't that church amazing? Or wasn't that pastor funny? They never leave saying that anyway, but... You know, but I don't, I don't want that. Here's what I want people leaving our church saying. I want them to leave going, man, what was the name of that church? Who is that pastor? I don't know, but God was there. That's what I want them leaving. And when we worship, we can do that. Now, here, let me go back up here because here's what we're getting ready to do. Let me get up here make, make, make one last point. What we're getting ready to do is we're getting ready to practice this and worship right now in this room and give God a sacrifice of praise. Okay, so we're, we're going to do that. So will you guys go ahead and stand with me, Lake Point Church? And let me, let me land a plane right here before we do this. So again, some of you came from a background like mine where it's just like all the clapping and shouting and raised hands, just really, ah, it's weird, okay? Um, third generation Baptist pastor, let me tell you the story of the first time I ever raised my hands in worship. I was a camp pastor at a youth camp one summer. And uh, I'm sitting in the front getting ready to preach and this young plucky worship leader says this he says can everyone in the room raise your hands to the lord 
And as soon as he said that, what I thought inside was, you jerk. I was like, how about no? You know, how about, how about not everyone? How about everyone that feels like it? You know, raise your hands to the Lord. But I'm the camp pastor and everybody's looking at me. And so I'm like, well, I gotta do this. So here's what I did, get the full body shot, make sure they can see this. Okay, what I did is I was like, oh man, people are gonna think I'm absolutely nuts. They're gonna think I'm just like crazy over the top, like making a big show, you know, awkwardly expressive, but I gotta do it. So I was like, okay, here I go. One, two, three. Like, oh man, this is so awkward. Like everybody's probably looking at me right now. You know, I just, how, I'm just going nuts up here. I'm going absolutely nuts. Everybody's, you know, I felt really awkward. And then I had a breakthrough in my life and my worship has never been the same since. It's like something inside of me switched and I went, you know what? I don't, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm gonna worship my God. I'm gonna worship my God. And ever since then, it's just been like, man, the Lord inhabits for So here's what we're going to do. We're going to practice Lake Point Church. We're going we're gonna to offer a sacrifice of praise right now. And what I want you to do is, listen, some of you might be like, ah, I don't know if I'm quite there. Here's all I'm asking. Just take the next step. If you've been like a, I do my coffee and I never sing, now's your mama. You're going to sing. If you've been, you know, if you're the person where we need to rebrand RBF, you're gonna put a smile on that face right now. Resting blessed face is gonna happen in the room. If you're a person that's like, man, I, you know, it's loud, clapping. If you're a person you're like, man, I've never expressed to God with my hands up to testify to the truth. Make this the moment for the first time in your life, you just take that next step to offer a sacrifice of praise to the living God because He is worth it, He deserves it. Great are you, Lord. We pour out our breath. So let's do that right now, Lake Moisture. Our hearts will cry, these bones will say,
Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. slash